Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Crownsman Show. I'm your host, Jared Downey. Joining me is Gowdy Molina. Good morning, Gowdy. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> good, good. Um, we've got a show today that is going to cover pipeline and tailing dam leak detection. So a bit of a hot topic. Very. <laughs> um, we're even going to get into some sawmill industry stuff. It's going to cover a lot of ground. We're, we're featuring Hawk measurement systems. We're going to have Graham Bridgman on the show. He is the, let me get this right, measurement and mining specialist for Hawk. And we're going to cover, we're, we're going to force him to jump around in a few <laughs> different sectors because we want to cover a, a little bit Much, of everything yeah. that Hawk measurement does. Right. Um, but we'll probably land on a little more mining stuff um, but they're doing crazy stuff with like fiber optic detection and uh yeah it's, it's neat stuff before we do that gowdy who are our sponsors of Yay. the crownsman show <laughs> all right so for this episode we have savannah equipment savannah equipment supplies new and used mining equipment around the world from placer to underground to ore processing plants they have gold concentrating tables trommels and mineral jigs in stock now to take advantage of the high gold prices you can visit them at SavanaEquipment.com, where you will find more equipment every day. And of course, contact us to be part of the Crownsman Show. Tell your company's story to thousands of heavy industry professionals every week. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single episode. And last but not least, we also have PowerZone. When you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas, pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you want to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems, no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Um, get in the zone with PowerZone. Visit them at PowerZone.com. All right. Thank you very much, Gowdy. Uh, and thank you for all the people that are getting us in touch with guests. There is, yes. uh, it makes it much more interesting to, and because we're not just in our little bubble getting the people that we know. I know. So thank <laughs> you for all that support. Graham, welcome to the show. Glad to, to feature you and Hawk Measurement Systems. Very interesting company. Uh, so thanks for joining us. You're, you're in Kamloops. That's where Rory is based out of. So a little bit of uh, hometown guest feel today. Yes, thank you very much. I, I think I actually met uh, your, yourself and Rory at the CIM MIMO show in Kamloops, uh, October 2019. Yeah, yeah, we had, we had, uh, we did the, we were doing mining now over yeah. there. That was, that was actually a lot of fun. That was one of our first events in a couple of years doing live. Um, it was great, the support that CIM gave us for that. Yeah, it w turned out to be a very good show for us too. Yeah, it sort of uh, it brings up some nostalgia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> good, good days when you actually could go to those shows. Yeah. Um, let's let's jump into the industries that that Hawk covers because you know I did my little my little intro, but it really uh, I mean you <laughs> you can't I didn't really cover it. So yeah. let's touch on let's go let's start with industries, and then I want to jump into some highlighted prod uh, products that you deliver. So what industries are, is, is Hawk primarily covering? Uh, primarily because they came out of the mining industry in Australia. So a large part of our focus is mining. Um, but as well as mining, you'll, you'll see a lot of the same problems or solutions are applied into materials handling too. You're handling a, a bulk solid. There's a lot of challenges that come with that, right? Um, and then we also have 
you know, in, uh, in the, a lot of the technologies that go across sections. So they go into oil and gas for, for measurement, but many different industries, pulp and paper, um, you know, forestry industry in general, uh, it, it covers a large cross-section of industries. The bulk would be mining, petrochemical, forestry, uh, materials handling for, for Canada so far. And then we always do get hit with the weird and wonderful too. The weird and the wonderful. Yeah. I was, you know, when you, as you were saying it started in mining, it, it made me think, do you think that it's easier for companies that start in mining, especially when you have sensor technology and measurement technology, because mining encompasses so many different from from bulk handling to wastewater to refining, it, it, so many elements to it. You think it's easier for a company that starts in the mining sector to then transfer over their technology over onto other industries? I, I actually do. I think it's harder to go the other way. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, once you hit some of the the tougher measurements, um, which you're going to find in any any industry, I mean, you're not typically going to find things like, uh, you know, depending on the type of a mine, but you don't usually find, um, you know, a lot of continuous gas analysis, but you're, you're still all of your things like physical properties, densities, all those things are, are common throughout them all. So, if you start in mining, you can adapt any knowledge to other industries all the way through. Well, I saw this um, this fiber optic sen- sensing system, and I want to talk a little bit about that because that's mm-hmm. sort of a standout, and it's one of those technologies that's transferable. I I, I think it applies to the tailings ponds, it acqu- applies to pipelines. Of course, both, as I said at the beginning of the show, very hot topics. Um, and that's a sort of a standout product for you. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, Um you know, on the uh, Praetorian uh, fiber optic system, and, and they named it after uh, the Praetorian Guard that protected, you know, the Roman Guard that protected uh, Caesar. And, and basically, it's it's the, the sense of having that type of security around your, your system in, in the industry. Um, traditionally, we, uh, how would you say, we first started with really conveyor systems. And then we went to pipeline leak detection and then into tailings dam monitoring. Um, in essence, what we do is we have an interrogator and a server at, I would call the front end. And we run then um, a deployment fiber to the point where we start to want to measure. And then we run a sensing fiber um, up the, either the pipeline leak, the um, you know perimeter security, wherever we're running the sensing fiber along um, in the conveyor case, we want it on both sides. And then we shoot a laser up there. And basically then we're looking for backscatter. The anomaly will create a backscatter. And we monitor all three of the traditional um, uh, terms of backscatter in, when you're talking about spectro- spectroscopy. So you'd be monitoring the, the Raman backscatter, the Brillouin backscatter, and the Rayleigh backscatter. Once you do that, then the big secret is, is what do you do with all the noise? You're bringing back a lot of noise with those signals. And how do you deal with um, uh, basically making a, getting a usable signal out? And that's really where we excel. We, we know how we can get the usable signal and get rid of the noise with our wavelet denoising and all of our algorithms. 
forgive the layman questions. Um, I don't know how many times I've said that on this show, but uh, when you do this many interviews, you run into a lot of stuff that you don't understand. So I'm yeah. going to ask a couple of questions just to set it up. Uh, the, the, when you say a fiber optic system, is this is this the same fiber optic that people are running to their ho house, or is this is this is there some sort of different sort of sensor? Um, where is that? Where is the um, where is the sensing capability coming from with these? And uh, we have videos and we'll bring it up, but where yeah. is that actual sensing capability coming from? To answer the first one, it isn't the same fiber. We use the basic standard fiber as the deployment cable just to get the light to the measurement area. Then we use um, either a fiber that is good for acoustic sensing, temperature sensing, or strain gauge. And each one of those would have basically the sensing capability of uh, like 320,000 microphones or 600 and some odd thousand strain gauge measurement uh, devices. Um, you run it consistently along. So it is an actual sensing fiber. And, and this whole um, body is governed by FOSA, uh, Fiber Optic Sensing Association. I so, saw that, yeah. Yeah. So is the... So is the cable itself the sensor? So Correct. I understand there's sort of there's there's a beginning and end to it, but that whole that whole cable, if it's so let's say running along a pipe, and I saw that in the video, it's running running along this pipe, is the whole entire thing becomes the sensor then? Yes. Every 250 millimeters, basically, it's it's got a separate sensing point all the way up the cable for a maximum distance of 40 kilometers per channel. Depending on application, conveyors, we wanna keep it to 20 kilometers per channel. I see. Right now. So, and then, okay, so then it's getting this data back and and it's telling you in real time, what if there's any disruption. Um, is it telling you anything else or is that the key measurement that it's looking for? No, um, it, you know, we, we get into the point there where you, you're in a self-learning atmosphere. So you're not just going to get a spike and then let's say a four to 20 or an alarm signal, you're going to be getting an entire Modbus package. So right, the, 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 the computer is always designed to continuous learn. Um, then we pick up anomalies and then what we do is we scale the alarms on uh, level of priority m1 through m4 Le level four would be watch it you know kind of thing um level three would be make sure you have one in stock we see a problem in this exact area here time of flight from the laser is not just identified that you have a problem the backscatter has told you where it is right and that's the basic you know the speed of light we know exactly where the backscatter is so then we know where it is. And then it says, okay, it's getting noisier now. And in, this is in the case of, let's say, a, a conveyor system. Those are the ones where we find that they're the hardest because then you get to a point where it says, okay, now we're at the point where we're, we've looked at this and it's a luff idler, this model number, you got two weeks left. And then wow. to level one, that's failure. That's like, you've, you've failed now that idler is stuck and overheating. Now it's everything is happening to it. So it gives you that ability for predictive maintenance, um, making sure you've got the replacement in stock, taking the time to send your maintenance people out to change that before you have a catastrophic failure. 
Yeah, and that, that's the part, because I watched the pipeline video, so I was thinking of it more as in, okay, it's disruptive and lets you know right away, but yeah. it's actually a preventative tool as well. Absolutely. You can, you can monitor it through each stage of a fault. So you do have leeway there. And then also what it's going to do is you're going to be able to bring in, you know, I like to call it personality, really, you know, whatever your territory, let's say we're going back to a pipeline and we're going to go underneath a road. Well, we now know that we're going underneath the road. So now we're looking at vibrations from a road. And we now say to the, the, you know, say to the computer and the interrogator, that's okay. That's a road, right? Right. Um, you can tell the difference of somebody digging with a backhoe as opposed to somebody digging with a shovel. You can tell if there's two people walking along it or if there's three people or one, or is it a deer? All these things, you know, go in the burn-in period of helping it learn your, your territory, really. And then once it does, you can set up your faults. You can look at things and go like, yeah, that train, it goes underneath the tracks there. And the train shows up between three and four every day. So we know that that's a railway and that's a train, right? Right. So, so this is... I'm so to add to that, then it's, this is a long-term, this is not somebody, you're not putting this sensor on some sort of portable operation. This is something that's going to be there for, you know, five, 10 years, and you're going to be, or more, of course, but you're going to be uh, developing the information it has to, to uh, send back to you, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Typically um, on a control platform, most of them, they would want to tie that into what they call their data historian. And then what they're going to do there is start their trending functionality. And then they'll be able to trend issues and see if they can pick up any patterns of the trend itself. Um, typically, then they would push out their own alarms, um, you know, that would go out to their people, uh, scale them in a level of urgency and you know deal with them and internally in which way they would normally deal with them yeah that was my next question when you put in a system like this i mean this hasn't been around uh how, how long has it been around this um, technology like in an operating commercial sense it really not long at all there's only a few of these operating in the planet um you know and there's there's a little bit of competition out there um but I would say six years maximum this technology has been around. So now how about reading the data though? When you, so when you get this, is it's, okay. So it's, it's been in, let's say commercial use for six or seven years, let's say. Mm -hmm. Now you're trying to, now are they, you, is talk coming in and actually training uh, a mining operation or a pipeline operator, whoever it may be, are they training them to input the data, to read the data, or is this sort of industry standard? The actual data they get, is that the way it's delivered to them? Is that, is that pretty a standard way or is that a new system as well? No, no, it's, it's a standard. You know, we do give you communication options on which way you want to receive this information, right? So we work with them and tailor it to their, their um, whatever their preferences are. So, okay, okay. So this now on the training aspect, is there, is there a part where Hawk is coming in and, and actually providing that like hands-on support? Absolutely. And, and this is one of the things that um, has made us successful is a lot of our competition does what I call, they want to black box the customer. So that data package goes back to their office, they massage it, 
and configure it and send it back to the customer. Whereas we believe that the customer is in complete ownership of our system. We're supported. Um, we support them. We stay online with them for the commissioning. And then we back off. And the only way we go back into their system is if they want us to. They, they're having an issue or maybe they're picking up an anomaly that they don't know what it is. Um, then they invite us back in. We dial back in and we look at their system. But our whole business model is based on complete ownership by the customer and complete support from Hawk Measurement. Right. Switching back over to Hawk Measurement, um, the, the, as a company, can you can you give us a little background? Usually I do that at the beginning, um, but I want to jump into that fiber topic. Um, the the company itself, uh, it, where is it based out of? Um, Melbourne, Australia is the head office, and that's where all this was developed from. And um, a place called Nunwading, uh, an outskirt of Melbourne. We also have an office in... Um, Medina, Ohio, and then uh, we also have two people now in in Canada and and people scattered throughout the world too. Is there a couple other um, products? I mean, you have so many, and that's that's one of the challenges of doing an interview mm -hmm. like this is just trying to pick the right streams and sort of applicable to the people that are watching. Um, you know, it's sort of a hit or miss. But are there? you know, three, four products that you would, you know, coming away, someone coming away from this interview, you'd want them to understand that Hawk offers this. Yeah, yeah no, most definitely. I mean, we didn't cut our teeth with the fiber optic system, obviously, you know, this is fairly new technology and it, there's an awful lot of R&D that goes involved. What I'd also like to mention is one of the things that attracted me to Hawk is their, their R&D principles. Um, 25% of all revenue goes back to R&D. So we spend a lot of time developing these technologies. And um, one of the other things is that I, they never got caught up in gimmickry. You know, it goes back to that wonderful saying, like necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. So what are we trying to do? We find a way to, to make a, a measurement better. Um, and that's the whole principle of, of what Hawk does. You know, it may not be the fanciest, the slickest looking device, but it'll sure measure it better than anyone else. Um, an example is the acoustic wave, uh, low frequency, high power measurements. They're unbelievably good for applications where other technologies fail. And we also have open air radar. We've got, you know, guided wave radar. But we won't try them in other applications where we have to go up against other, uh, you know, other customers. Then there's the um, Orca, which is a sonar system where we're actually uh, several of the big manufacturers of thickeners have standardized on our product for a worldwide basis. Um, what it does is it's a transducer that sits semi-submerged in your thickener itself, and then it pulses down a sound wave. Now we have a much larger transducer. We've got the largest in the market. Therefore we can hit mining applications, but we not only give them bed level at the bottom of their thickener, we also give them a second output that uh, measures the buildup of the, of the particulate, you know, particles in particulate, the solid buildup in the hindered or clarifying zone. That allows them to manage their flock dosing and save them a ton of money. Our block shoot microwave switches were stencil lined or name branded by uh, Thermal Ramsey for years. 
we've been around making these for other people. They're a standard of the industry and we've got, you know, those, those three products right there are our are, are top three sellers. They, they keep the lights on, right? And people use them because they work and there's nothing really else there on the market that does the job as well as them. You, we said something about uh, the company not being gimmicky. And, um, you know, we, during this show, we run into a lot of gimmicky. <laughs> yeah. We try, to, we try to not have too many, much of that on the show. Unfortunately, not being the experts, we can't always tell. Um, but I did notice, I went onto the company uh, and I saw the reviews um, from the company. And something that stood out to me uh, as I kind of glossed through them, so many companies, when you see the review, it's, uh, they were wonderful, their team, um, you know, it almost looks like you kind of message somebody, we might even have some of those reviews online for us. <laughs> and, and someone just wrote something nice for you because they're, they know you. Yeah. Uh, your reviews were very specific. <laughs> it was like, we used the uh, Sultan and it had a number and it helped us with this. They were very specific. And it was like, no, the Hawk solved the problem. You can't make up that review. It, it's, and I read through about three or four of them and they were all very similar. And that says something to the, about the company that it's not, you know, the service. I mean, I've dealt with your team, um, you know, Ellen um, from your team from the very beginning and meeting you at Mimo, the very engaged team. So the service is clearly there, but the solving the solution, you can just see that that from the customers, not from what you're saying, but from the customers are saying that seems to be the core value, really getting in there and solving the problem. Yeah, we don't like we do not walk away from from problems at all. We stay on site until it's working and the customer's happy. We do good follow up support. But, you know, it goes back to that first thing is that these products were developed around a problem. Um, you know, like the, the Sultan uh, sonar, I mean, uh, acoustic wave was, was built around the products of the problem of trying to measure in really, really dusty or high moisture conditions and where uh, maybe you have a changing dielectric and that's where, where we're using those, you know, high, high powered sound waves as opposed to trying to use a radar type measurement, but they're all built around a, an existing problem and going back to that saying of, necessity is the mother of invention right and so it isn't something that's just like now we got new flashing blinking lights no we're i don't think we'll ever do that right it'll be it'll be we figured out how to measure something through a steel wall right <laughs> you know what i mean which is what the industry is looking for i mean yeah, yeah. we i mean I've, I've made those mistakes you try to be the industry is not about flash is about value that's why we do these hour-long shows rather than mm -hmm. two minutes of talking about how wonderful a company is nobody would be interested in that they want yeah. this details and understanding and there's uh i wanted there's something there's i saw on your website um i'll stumble through and i'll let you unpack it for me it's it's uh i saw it's the title is non-intrusive fluid id and monitoring I saw it and I, I see it looks like you've done work with the Navy for it. And I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot to it. It could probably be its own show, but could you touch on that a little bit and what sort of makes it maybe a start off with what this, what an intrusive product would look like and then show the counter to it. Yeah. Um, in, intrusive or, you know, like they always used to say in situ or non in situ for, for a type of measurement. Um, the technology is based on sound waves and then actually identifying an acoustic fingerprint. 
the acoustic fingerprint has a direct correlation to physical properties. And once they made that correlation, then, you know, like the industrial applications opened up like crazy, but the, the initial applications were military applications, checking artillery, seeing if there's actually um, an explosive in there, or is it full of sarin gas or chlorine gas or used for smuggling, you know, what's inside that vessel. Of course, you don't want to open the vessel up and expose yourself to the poisonous contents. So by pulsing a sound wave from a transducer through the metal wall or the whatever type of wall it is, then we can pick up the acoustic fingerprint. Once we pick up the acoustic fingerprint, we know what it is. And we've, we've got a huge library of different sounds and velocities for uh, just a massive amount of, of, uh, of different things that we can measure with this. So it is a very, very exciting new technology, um, not just for the fluid identification. They, they wrote, uh, if you take a look at the API 2350 ruling for tank overfill protection, they've um, basically, it, it looks like it was written around one of these products. It, it, it states that you can take your tank from 80% full to 90% full by having a redundant over, uh, overfill protection switch. So you can take this and you can take it on and strap it to the side of your tank at the 90% mark and battery power it, send the signal out wireless. You have to have a redundant communication, redundant power. That immediately gives you 12% more volume in every tank without building another tank. Yeah. That one thing alone. And then getting into the fluid ID, the amount of analytical measurements that can be done with the the fluid ID are opening up like crazy. The three products we've got are the high tank level alarm right now. The next one would be transmix. And typically if you're in a pipeline, the trans mountain pipeline flows right from me through you guys, right? Um, if you were to take a look at what a typical transmix uh, measurement they would do is they would use a viscosity probe and perhaps density to be able to pick up the change of what is flowing in that pipeline. Right now, you have two holes in the pipe, right? I don't know what caused that leak um, in Abbotsford. I believe that was last year or the year before, but it was off of a one-inch sample line. That's your first thing that that, that like gets rid of. This straps to the outside of the pipe, and we can tell when you're done um, shipping your crude oil through there, your heavy crude, and you're on to jet fuel now. And what we can do there is reduce your transmix waste by 50% because you can switch your valves that, that much quicker. It, You're having an instantaneous measurement. It, it must be nice when you're when you're when you're selling and putting together these packages for people when it's so obvious that you can make their operation safety and save them money <laughs> by not having to you're buy bringing, that. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're bringing value to the table, right? You're walking in and people, their eyes and ears open up very, very quickly. And uh, I do like I'm I'm I think I'm 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 lucky on this on my end because before I started with Hawk I came from a company that did all these analytical measurements online measurements and I learned a lot from there and as soon as I got introduced with this I went oh my god like like if we could talk about the the future measurements for days that can come out of this that we just have to finish we have to finish developing six core products before we get that tackle the rest right so yeah. Yeah. we want to make sure we're hitting the market ready to go not dabbling or releasing something too early 
Yeah, it's um, excuse me. Yeah, it's you know when I probably did the let's say I'll pick a number the twentieth show I was kind of in that situation where I thought okay well how many more shows before we start being repetitive about what we're talking about and uh, I got the answer about you need to do about ten thousand shows because the more we dig the more stuff we find I mean hawk measurement right here you you talk we've got five lines right here just in that we've discussed in the last thirty minutes. Um, and we haven't even dug into as much technical stuff as we could on there. Does it still, does it still baffle you the amount of technology that is coming out, especially out of the mining sector? But I mean, we do the energy show. It's the same out of the energy sector and agriculture has it. And um, it's just, do you, does, are you still amazed by how much innovation is just getting pumped into these industries now? I think um, more of it is on the analytics side. Mm -hmm. So the measurement and then the remote asset management, like how do you, how do you remotely monitor all these different assets and, you know, quantify what you're doing and qualify it first qualify it, then quantify, you know, your results. Right. And I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing in this actual, how do we measure this? How do we measure that? How do we actually get these values? and then put it in and, and create our profile for every different application, for every different customer, every different, whether it's a mine, uh, any type of industry. So this drill down on the analytics is, is yeah, on that end, that's where I'm seeing the, the technology is coming out, just like leaps and bounds, computer speed, right? Yeah, yeah. And do you think it is even... I mean, is it even close to done? I mean, is it in 10 years? Are we just going to be baffled by the amount of measurement and, uh, and technology and the speed of it and the data that it provides you through, you know, all these, you know, smart technology and computers that are learning in real time and all that sort of stuff? I think we're going to we're going to get to a point and then we have to wait for right now one one you know like you have to move forward with all different technologies right it can't just be one technology right so certain ones can outpace the other ones in capability standards um, and and I think that you'll find that there'll be a, a little bit of a catch up on a couple of what I would call you know, you've got mechanical, uh, analytical, instrumentation, electrical, all these different aspects of a mine or, or a gas plant or anything, right? And what, what I see is there seems to be a stagnation on electrical side. Mm. Now, we do have all the software and, you know, all the wonders of a PLC, but basically electrical hardware hasn't changed. I mean, the, the squirrel cage motor hasn't changed since Nikola Tesla invented it, right? So I, I think we're going to see a catch up on the electrical side. I keep looking for another innovation from there. Um, instrumentation and analytical has just gone crazy with innovation for measurement. Right. So trying to figure out, like thinking of using an acoustic fingerprint for a direct correlation to physical properties, somebody would just say you're nuts, right? Years ago, but somebody did it and figured out that relationship and then chartered it out and figured out that that correlation was real. And, you know, like you'll, I, I would see the next step for that one is that there'll be, um, you know, like a, a, a registered methodology 
for that measurement. Like they have an ASTM measurement for these types of analytical. I think that we're going to see that written around this. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is scattered right now. And you're going to see like uh, what that, that association that you're a part of um, the fiber optic sensing association. Do those kind of do those kind of associations really help to sort of I don't know if streamline is the right word, but to sort of help um, put a certain standard on the products that are going into the into the market? Yeah, they do. And, and it's it's required. Um, it, 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 it also weeds out the, the stories, if you know what I right. mean. Right, I do. I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to use a different word for that. <laughs> uh, That's okay. Yeah, it, it, it kind of does. It, it helps you stick with the facts and the developments. And, you know, it, everyone can then walk to a certain speed and then run to a certain speed. Yeah. So it, it, it's good to have somewhat of a governing body so somebody doesn't get out of line and talk ahead of themselves. Right. Yeah, no, it's, and I, I don't think we should mince words with that because it is so important. It's, it's not just it's not just for the industry moving ahead, but it's also how people perceive the industry and that, that they trust that those standards, when you put a mine into a community, those, those types of things matter or a pipeline through a community. Yeah. The standards should be high. I mean, I, I don't want oil in my lake either. <laughs> so, no, no, yeah. not, not at all. Or, you know, and it goes, it, it's, it's, it's beyond oil too. Like, uh, you know, you learn from so many people in this industry, not just, not just our people. I mean, I learn from my customers all the time. I just had an hour long discussion about the damage of what brine, leaky brine lines do to the, the, you know, the world. And I was like, holy moly, that's, that's horrible. Like, you know, so there's more applications than oil and, you know, natural gas. I mean, there, there's other applications too, for, for salt water that, uh, that are that are big that you know I had no idea and I you know like I said I learned from the customer that these were something that they really want to monitor. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely amazing. I I think I, I think uh, before we you know as we get to the tail end, um, Graham, I would like to highlight a couple projects because when you do an interview like this, it can kind of seem. There's a whole bunch of technology. Fortunately, um, we've got lots of really videos. Thank you, Ellen, for putting those together. So we're going to actually be able to show the technology during the interview um, mm -hmm. that the viewer can sort of see what you're doing. But I think it'd be nice to highlight. Is there a couple projects that stand out for you? Um, yeah, there, there, there was kind of like the first one that really got me involved with Hawk. And it was, it was with Canfor and it was the wood industry. And when I first got introduced to the Sultan itself, and I looked at that and I thought to myself, my God, I've listened to people complain about vindicators, like um, mechanical devices for chip bins and all sorts of things for measuring them. And uh, so I worked towards getting involved in that. And, and the first thing I noticed that was different is it was driven by a completely different business unit it was it was driven by logistics the logistics people wanted to know track the wood from basically from where it got cut down on the forest all the way through whether they owned a pulp mill or they sold the chips there everything is a revenue stream now so when we did this project with canfor on their chip bins um we were the only company that could successfully measure the and accurately measure the level of the wood chips the shavings the hog fuel and the sawdust, not just the wood chips. And 
um, what we did is we uh, worked with them and they tied it into um, a DGS package, a data gathering system, kind of like a SCADA package that showed all of the production of their mills. And they added the, all the chip bins, all, all the sawdust bins, hog bins, every one of their bins to that. And they rolled them out on a, um, on a uh, mobile platform to the trucking companies that had the contracts. Well, the trucking companies were absolutely, they loved it because they were no longer sending a truck two hours to a mill to find out that the bins were empty because the, the planer went down that night. They were then given all that information. So it kind of like turned that one into terminal automation 101, right? They knew exactly how to track their product all the way through. And like I said, they're all a revenue stream. Now they're all, they know exactly. And, and in a way, you know, like you kind of give yourself a pat on the back, knowing that you, you probably, you know, reduced a whole bunch of carbon footprint too. Mm-hmm. from that one um oh for sure yeah you know just like you're, you're stopping vehicles from drive all over driving all over the place you know you, you did you kind of like did your bit for the environment while you're you know increasing efficiencies and things like that and i was really impressed working with their team they not only did uh, uh they did a volume and level measurement but they also had an algorithm for compression for each one of their products. So they knew when it got to a certain fill level that the weight was going to compress it further. And there was challenges, but it was, it was, it was good challenges. It was, you know, it was stuff that you figure it out quickly. Uh, um, there was a logical reasoning behind it. There was none of this ghost in the machine stuff. Yeah. Um, other ones were, were with the same product doing uh, crusher uh, level, like right inside a gyratory crusher, a very, very violent atmosphere. And we're doing level measurements through all that dust and everything through there. Um, one of them at Tech Coal was, was doing a measurement um, into an in-pit hopper through a grizzly. So the, a grizzly is where the trucks dump onto it and the, the product flows through. You know, if there's a big boulder, it doesn't go down through the, right. onto the, down to the pit, in-pit hopper and out, out to the conveyor, right? Doesn't break everything down. But we actually measured, you know, through the bars, in between the bars of the grizzly, we measured the product on top and we measured it all the way down to the bottom of the hopper. Um, the sound waves just creep through the, you know, basically we, we um, managed our, our gain steps and our distance steps and zeroed out the grizzly, that one space, right? So we're not going to measure that. But there's, there's all sorts of neat things you can do with that product, but the, the orcas, we've got so many of them out there. It's, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about one year. You were constantly yeah. sending a guy out to start up an orca or to, to work on one or, or to like tune it to the, to what they were trying to do or what they're trying to achieve with their thickener. E- each time you find that they have different problems again, that are all around you, but maybe they, they, they're not part of your device, but they all affect your device. Right. right. So um there, there's so many projects going on right now and i mean i can't go into the detail that i'd love to but i'm involved in in like five i believe race 21 projects with with tech 
And there's only so much detail we can get involved. And then all of the, the conveyor health and pipeline leak detection, they're, they're all in the pipes. We are doing one trial right now on the conveyor health monitoring, and we're, we're slowly working our way through it. it. It's challenging right now. We're having to pick like, here we go. We got a few hours to get in there and this shut down. Um, so I, I'm hoping that by the end of March, we're going to have a really good reference that we can splash out there in Canada too, in mining. So um, we're working very, very hard on getting that. And we're very much looking forward to this last shutdown so we can get to that final level of completion, right? And really, really show what this thing can do. So, so part two of this show is in September then, right? <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to, uh, this is a bit of a tricky question. Uh, if you can't answer it, that's completely fine, Graham. But I was mm -hmm. just wondering, the, what you said about uh, Canfor having these algorithms. How, when you see companies like the techs, the Canfors, you know, they're in different industries, but they, they operate at that very high level. Um, yeah. You know, and I know some people that work there. I mean, these people are efficient. They mm -hmm. just, just meet them and you can tell they're good at their job. <laughs> you know, those types of people would how much value are they bringing the other way are you when when are you dealing with a tech or a can for are the products evolving because of the data that they have on in within their operations that are applicable to other industries and and other mining operations or pulp and paper mills absolutely i pick up stuff like that from our customers all the time and i i can't say enough about the teams that i've been um, fortunate enough to work with at, at these companies. So we build a, a team together with both these that are that are based on success, right? You know, anyone can make it not work. It, that's the easy way to do it. But if you put the right people on the right problem on, on a problem specifically, we can make it work. And and without that buy-in from the customer, it's really difficult. We need we really need to get that understanding right up front, and we need to get the right people to work with. And once we do that, uh, then it, it's it's just a great thing. It's a good feeling to be on a team like that. The to, to wrap up the interview, uh, something that came to my mind looking through Hawk is it, there's so many measurement technologies and different offerings you have. When you go to an event like MIMO um, or you know a bigger event like CIM or down in Vegas, you know some of these big shows is or just your general networking and everything like that does it can it cause a challenge as well when you have so many solutions from so many different angles or is that or is that a plus um i, I don't really know if i'm asking the question right but just sort of does is it, it that initial discussion that you have is it an advantage or is it a little or can it be a little overwhelming for people if they don't really understand all the offerings that you have i um i i don't find it overwhelming you know, personally, but I think that's because I came from a distributor background. So think of that times 20, right? Right. So and you had to be well versed in a lot of it. Um, you know, and I am blessed with an eidetic memory. So like I, I pick up all the stuff I remember it. I remember details that I wish I didn't remember. 
Um, <laughs> it is like, I wish I had a delete file button, but I don't, I don't find it personally overwhelming. I find that sometimes if I, if I see the customer make assumptions and try and apply um, something to a, a solution to a problem that I go like right away, like that's not going to work. That's uh I know you pick why you pick that it would be inexpensive and simple and, and it might be easy, but it's just going to lead to failure. So sometimes I'll, I'll find that happens. People will assume that let's just go with this. That'll do. And, you know, when, it, when, it, when you get to measurement, it doesn't work that way. Right. That's a very fine, you know, you go from this technology to this technology when these problems arise. That's why there's so many different forms of, of just level measurement alone. Right. Is there is there a lot of when you're when you're in those to get to the point where you can tell to someone it's not going to work? Of course, they've got to be trusting you. You know, this isn't an upsell. I'm actually telling you this is not the way you want to go. It's going to cost you more in the, in the long run um, and not going to be efficient. Is that is that does is there a lot of lead up that gets to a point where you're able to build that trust or are most people because of the the name, the hawk and, and you I know, you know, a lot of people in the industry. Does those, do those conversations usually go pretty efficient? Yeah, they, they do with me. Um, I, I usually just try and let them know that, you know, I, you know, a, a bad application isn't good for anyone. It isn't good for Hawk. It isn't good for me. It isn't good for the end user. It isn't good for the contractor that's trying to install this. So it just doesn't, to me, it just doesn't make sense. You know, so I, I, I try and push back, you know, gently and, and politely as much as I can. And, but usually my voice is heard. Um, and I, you know, we try to make sure that you can't, you can't stop everyone from um, doing that. Right. But, you know, it's, it, you, you, you do definitely, it's a challenge, but you definitely have to, you have to just make sure you don't, you know, if they're going to go that way anyway, you have to just say, look, you know, I'm here to support you, but I really don't have a good feeling about this. I'll help you. But, you know, I, I don't think that we're heading down the right track. We're not heading for success. We're not going to give you a really good measurement here. Nothing repeatable and accurate. Yeah. It's, you know, and it, uh, yeah. And it, just getting to know you a little bit leading up to this interview. I mean, being the people in the industry that make you maybe feel good in that, at that moment, they get old really, really fast. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you run into as many as I have, or probably more. But the people that are blunt and down the line, I mean, there's different personalities, um, obviously, that come along with it. But once they, you get that reputation as a company or as an individual, then it just cuts away so much of the nonsense that you have to deal with. Yeah, it it does. Um, and- yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm glad Hawk came on the show. It's you know it, we've we've done we've done a lot of shows uh, around uh, measurements and tailings ponds, and we on the energy show on pipelines, and so this was really a nice rounded out um, a nice rounded out interview, Graham. So so thanks for coming on the show. Thanks to your team, you know, Ellen. Um, she was such a big help in putting this together. Um, so I, I hope, I hope Hawk comes back because I feel like we just sort of scratched the surface of kind of who Hawk is, but now there's so much more and maybe we can actually dig into a couple of these projects in the future. Now that, that'd be great. The fall would be lovely to be able to do a little bit of a follow-up to this show. And, and then we could talk about more of the things that we're involved in now. Yeah. Thank Thank you, Graham. Uh, we'll hopefully have you back. Thank you.
Well, thank you everyone for watching. Um, I personally, I love this kind of stuff and, and Hawk, it was going through it. It's just, there's so much to learn and, and people like Graham that are actually dealing hands-on with the customers, but they have a good understanding of the product. They just, they make such an interesting interview. Um, Gowdy, where can people go to comment on what they thought of this amazing interview? <laughs> well, um, please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel um, so you don't miss a single episode. You can also comment um, in the description of this video. Um, again, good, bad. We want to hear it all. Um, yeah, we've got two episodes a week on our channel. Please, please, please remember to subscribe. Um, if you'd like to be part of the show, um, the Crownsman show, or if you're looking to be on Crownsman Energy or Mining Now, contact us, info at crownsman.com. Wow, for a second, I was like, what? <laughs> I don't remember our email. Info at crownsman.com. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Um, please keep the comments coming. Please keep sending us guests. It is really, and I, I've said this so many times, but I'll say it a thousand more times. It is really helping us put good shows together. Um, so please just, it, just connect us with them. We'll, yeah. we'll reach out and see if there's an interest in being on, but appreciate the people that are doing it now. Thank you, Graham, for coming on the show. Uh, thank you to Alan Nichols for putting the show together. Um, and thank you to Hawk measurement systems for offering so many good products across mass, mass different industries mm -hmm. and promoting on our show. Thank you very much. We'll see you on the next episode of The Crownsman Show.